This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MNBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, We sit around the table and talk, encouraging thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connecting you to the people and the ministries of MNBC. Sitting around the table, our usual cast of characters, Scott Slater, family pastor, uh, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor here at the church, and I'm Spencer Snow, uh, discipleship pastor. Um, We've been discussing uh, uh, progressive Christianity, the Ten Commandments. We began last week with a a talk of of the beginning of the Ten Commandments of progressive Christianity. Last week we looked at commandment number one, which is Jesus as a model for living more than an object uh, for worship. And this week we want to talk about the second commandment, which is affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. Pastor Scott, do you want to lead our discussion today? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, no, so this is the commandment number two, and very much like the first one that we did, this one really gets at some of the heart of what the major issues are with what we would call progressive Christianity. And one of the things we talked about last time was that in each of these, the reason that they are so um, tempting to want to say, oh, yeah, absolutely, is that there's half-truth in them. And I think in this one especially, that half-truth is especially appealing because to say that affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness, I think there's a lot that we can identify with um, in terms of how we can all say, on the one hand, Christianity is, at its heart, a message of hope and redemption, mm-hmm. right? And um, again, we talked about how people that are going through deconstructions and deconversion and would share that story, a mm-hmm. lot of where they're coming from are from churches that at least their testimony of those churches is all they ever talked about was sin. All they mm-hmm. ever talked about was how I'm not good enough, how I am never good enough, and that that was... Uh, what they would say, a progressive Christian would say, would be traumatizing. And so I uh, I pulled up here a post that I would saved that I think demonstrates this kind of mentality among progressive Christians um, really well. And it uses a phrase that progressive Christians use a lot, uh, religious trauma. And so here is what, uh, I'm not even going to say the guy's name, but here's what a guy says about this, and he hashtagged it progressive Christianity. It says, religious trauma is one of the most devastating forms of abuse a person can experience, and there needs to be much greater awareness around its prevalence and impact. Religion becomes traumatic when the concept of God becomes weaponized against an individual to induce absolute complacency at the expense of personal sovereignty or or indoctrinates an individual with the belief that they are inherently bad and must be saved. The concept of God invokes terror, shame, or contempt within you 
then it is likely that you've experienced religious trauma. It's important to validate your pain and to form your own personal connection with, with spirit that no one else gets to define. And so that's kind of their definition of religious trauma is any time that religion has been used to make you think that you are a bad person or that you need to be saved, if the idea of God invokes terror, shame, or contempt within you, then you have experienced religious trauma. Hmm. So, Does this guy have authority? This guy? I mean, you said you didn't say his name, which is fine. Does he... See, I just... I, I go back to, like, this isn't a denomination. This isn't, like, a group. Like, who's coming out with these statements? I mean, I can go on Instagram and do hashtag tacos and just start reading things that people are going to write about tacos. Mm-hmm. That doesn't give them authority on tacos. Sure. Mm-hmm. And But in here, you know, we do hashtag and we... We read it and we say, this is what they believe. Well, that's what he believes. What Does the whole group believe that? I, mean, I would assume, yeah, kind of. Yeah, that, uh, that is very indicative, but actually probably a lot more clear, clearly stated yeah. than what most progressive Christians would say. But yeah, that, yeah. that is very... And so I don't know how any, like we talked about in the last episode about carrying the Christian tag with you. I don't know how anyone can carry the Christian tag and not say, we are broken. <laughs> You can't. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think Matt said it at the end towards the last episode too, that they, they can't have the gospel then. Mm-hmm. The gospel has to include brokenness mm-hmm. in order for there to be a, a true gospel message there. And so if that's really a mantra that they're going to stick by and hold to, they really need to call themselves something else. Mm-hmm. There is no mm-hmm. form of Christianity there. Yeah. I, but to clarify, I don't think a progressive Christian would actually say that there is no brokenness with them. But that what's important is not to show them their brokenness, but rather than to have a more positive message. You know what I mean? Of like, I do, yeah. but I mean, the, go- the, the gospel message says, you are broken, Jesus has fixed you. It sounds like the message they're wanting to hear is, you are broken, let me tell you how you can be better. But don't tell me it's Jesus. I mean, I don't know. I guess it I don't know. It probably right? also determines what you... Th- what, I mean, this is where I think <clears throat> some really the level of the word brokenness is almost... It's broken. Yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't define it. Because some people will say brokenness and they mean my guilt, my certain problem. Yeah. Other people could mean I'm a victim and other people have hurt me. Sure. Or whatever that looks like. So it, I don't know exactly what they mean by brokenness. Mm-hmm. I, I would have the concern that many people are just thinking I'm broken because other people have afflicted me or hurt yeah. me. That's a good observation, that they don't really define it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, because I think when, when you're talking about the gospel and we say you're broken, what we mean is like broken beyond repair. You cannot fix what what is bad about yeah. you. You are guilty. You are yeah. sinful. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Destined for hell because you can't do anything. Right. When a clay... But, Pot breaks, you right. can't fix it. Sadly, again, what's happening here with this line of thinking is you are completely removing any of the good news from the gospel message. Mm-hmm. Because you're saying, well, yeah. you know what I the mean? The good news is you're okay. Well, the good news is you can become better. <laughs> but it's but it's like the yeah. good news is me just saying you can become better. Right. Now you are going right. to be. It's deceptive. Yeah, you could right. become right. better if right. you would be better. If you'd right. be a better person, right. you'll be better. <laughs> right. And it's like... I would much rather hear the message of the gospel of saying you are better because Christ was better on your behalf. 
You know, and now, yeah. now because of that, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, and you can <laughs> overcome. Like, mm-hmm. there's actually real hope and peace there. That sadly, it's hard. It's so hard to tell because, like you had said, in a lot of the deconversion stories, it was about being abused. Like he talks about this religious trauma. Mm-hmm. I hear that from people who grew up here. <clears throat> I hear it, not and not like thousands of years ago. Grew up here. Yeah. I'm talking about thousands of years. I'm talking about people my age. Yeah. You know, friends of mine, or even after, yeah. who are younger than me, who have uh-huh. left, who right. would say those things. All they did was talk about sin. All they all they did was bash this, and right. I was traumatized mm. uh-huh. because of this. And I grew up in the exact same environment. And don't get me wrong, there are times that I heard here in this building stuff that I thought was uh, maybe inappropriate anger or rage towards certain sins. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I also heard about grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also heard yeah. about Jesus and what he had done. Like yeah. it, it was definitely there. That's one of the things that's so hard about trying to talk about something like this is because you want to, I at least want to constantly put some qualifiers on things. Because I do think that the way they're talking about religious trauma, I think that does happen sure. in some churches. Oh, yeah. Sure. No like no. there's a, the podcast that we would listen to mm-hmm. and talk mm-hmm. about sometimes, uh, the Recovering Fundamentalist mm. podcast. Right. And so whereas like some of the things that they say on that, they play clips Mm -hmm. from churches. I've talked about people that are in our youth group that have been part of churches like that before that Mm -hmm. talk about that was traumatic Mm -hmm. to be controlled and manipulated in a really worldly way, Mm -hmm. really legalistic way. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, some people that say that they have been traumatized by a religious experience you have to be able to say that, yeah, I, I believe that you probably have. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what you'll see is, um, so this is another qualifier, you'll see that some people that say they experience religious trauma, what, all that really means is that they heard a sermon that was against something the Bible does condemn as sin, mm-hmm. and they felt convicted, convicted about that. Yeah. They felt called out mm-hmm. for their sin. And they're identifying this negative feeling or emotion that they're having as traumatic. Right. When actually, the proper response is, the Bible would say, is repentance. Yeah. Like, you should feel this way, yeah. almost. And so it's <laughs> hearing somebody say that they've experienced religious trauma makes me want to ask the question, okay, like, what was so traumatic about this? Mm-hmm. You know, and you're only hearing one person's side of the story. That's what we talked about with deconversion stories that's so manipulative about them sometimes is you're only hearing one person's side of the story. Mm -hmm. What could have been very traumatic for that person actually wasn't traumatic at Mm -hmm. all. It was a a person talking to them was trying to be very redemptive and helpful to them, Mm -hmm. but all they received it as was this negative conversation of hatred. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's well, really good. I think I think it's a helpful distinction to make between trauma people feel that we would agree is is wrong, abusive, or maybe not abusive. Even I mean, sometimes it is, but other times it might just be Christians. Um, I think Tim says inappropriately expressing themselves, but the law produces religious trauma. If rightly understood, the law of God being preached yeah. should produce. I should be in religious trauma. If I mean that, I'm looking at Isaiah chapter six. Woe is yeah, me, yeah. for yeah. I am undone, <laughs> yeah. because I yeah. am a man of unclean. Uh, Isaiah is undergoing religious trauma. The good news is, 
is God is there to raise the yeah, dead. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, so in the, in the one sense, I think we want to talk to, like you say, Scott, we have to talk to people one-on-one and see what they mean by this, where they're coming from, because mm-hmm. on the one hand, if they've experienced a, abuse, like we see Ezekiel chapter 34 is a great example, right? Where God says to, uh, is speaking there, and he's talking about the fact that he has wicked shepherds who have been abusing his people. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus comes to the people of Israel and looks at them. And despite all the religious teachers of Israel being there, the Pharisees, Jesus looks at those people and says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. They have no one to care for them. And he has compassion for those people. Yeah. So I want them to know Christ's mm-hmm. compassion if they have been abused or experienced inappropriate mm-hmm. um, relationships from the church or, or stuff like mm-hmm. that. But on the other hand, if all we're talking about, and you can determine this talking with them, is they don't like the the Bible's understanding of wrath, sin, judgment, well then that is an appropriate form of religious trauma Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to experience. And God doesn't leave us there. That's the wonderful thing. God wants you to feel that so that you will flee to him mm-hmm. and yeah. run into his arms. That's yeah. everywhere in scripture. Too. That's, I mean, that's both of those. <laughs> Pretty themes, much throughout the whole book of Psalms. And both of those <laughs> themes are found in scripture. Yeah, exactly. The abusive shepherds yeah. and the people who have been hurt by that. Yeah. And Christ is there for them as well. He's compassionate towards yep. them. And Christ is compassionate to sinners who should undergo religious trauma mm-hmm. because of their own sins. Yeah. yeah, Both of those are found in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. The, the verse that came to my mind was Hebrews 10, 31, when it says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Yeah. You know, how would a progressive Christian be able to read that and understand it in any kind of original context it was meant to be understood? Right. Right. I don't know if they would because it's connecting the fact that you should be afraid of falling into the hands of God as an unrepentant sinner, Mm -hmm. not redeemed by grace. Mm. Yeah. They probably don't read Hebrews. (laughs) I don't know if we've talked about this in here or video or whatever. I know we've talked about it before, but how in our Christian life there's this balance of. Understanding that Jesus died for your guilt and shame, but still, as you live your life, having some guilt for sin in your life, right? Mm -hmm. There's this balance where some Christians just carry guilt all the time, and the message to them is, stop carrying that guilt. Mm -hmm. He put it on the cross, Mm -hmm. right? Then there's other Christians who live as if sin is nothing, and to them, you're like, you should feel guilty for how you acted today, and I don't see any remorse. Mm -hmm. There's this delicate balance and walk in the Christian life, Mm -hmm. When I read this statement that we're looking at, the affirming people's potential is more important than reminding of their brokenness, I feel that same weight of like walking. Like, I think it's very important for us as pastors of this church to help affirm people's potential in their life. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to be doing that on Sunday morning. We need to be doing that in our Bible studies. We need to be doing that in our conversations, encouraging people, mm-hmm. right? Sharing the good things that you see in them and lifting that up or, or seeing talents and skills in people. I mean, I think it's our jobs as pastors to see other men in the church who we feel might have the, the gift or maybe even a calling in their life to say, have you ever thought about ministry and preaching God's word? Like, I think God might be doing it in your life. Mm-hmm. Right? What are we doing? We're affirming them and we're seeing potential in them and we're lifting that up when you say that sort of thing. Yeah. Right? But on the flip side of that, it's also, it's also our job to always be reminding ourselves and each other of our brokenness mm-hmm. and where God has saved us and what he saved us from and, mm-hmm. and the struggles that we still face in this world as a result of, of the brokenness in this world. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, in our service we, we do the uh, part of uh, confession, yeah. confession mm-hmm. right? But there needs to be that balance 
I think, really well. And that's what makes these kind of statements so hard. And you talked about that in, that <laughs> le- in the last episode. But there's just these truths in it, right? There's these half-truths in it. That's mm-hmm. like, yeah. And so, I mean, the problem is the phrase more important, yeah. I think, in this mm-hmm. is really where it goes wrong. You mm-hmm. know, if you were to say, I got two statements for you. You tell me if it's wrong. You should affirm people's potential. All right? Sure. You should affirm that people are broken. All sure. right? I mean, I would say yes to both of those things. But yeah. then when you said one is more important than the other, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's where. Yeah. And, and so they tend to, because what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up never talking about brokenness. Mm-hmm. If this is more important, mm-hmm. yep. I'm just never going to mm-hmm. talk about yep. it. But really, to be faithful Christians, we need to make sure we're doing, we're doing both. Yeah. And that's, that's a difficult task because it seems like people tend to lean one way or the other just in their own personalities, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, where they're harder on themselves yeah, or true. whatever. And so you kind of get that in different churches. You know, in different churches, it might feel weighty more often. They're talking about sin and brokenness more mm-hmm. often, trying to scare people yep. into heaven or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, but then you get the other ones who are just very positive people, and so they put a spin on, on everything, you know, for it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the churches, honestly, that are attracting more people nowadays because mm-hmm. you feel good when you leave and it yeah. feels comforting, you sure. know, and you mm-hmm. think a little better of yourself. Yep. Um, but that balance is just missing. Mm-hmm. And I think this balance is off in this statement. Yeah, no, it is. And I think that what you're talking about there about how some people are naturally bent this way, some people naturally bent that way. I think that's one of the, I mean, just practically speaking, this is one of the reasons why we try to teach the way we do as pastors, especially preaching on Sunday morning, um, is trying to go through Scripture verse by verse or section by section. Some some chapters are going to be, and some verses are going to be geared more towards the encouragement. Mm-hmm. Like we did, um, like I remember preaching a sermon that uh, uh, within the last year that was, heavily focused on God's love for us. You know, and in that sermon I I I actually did end up emphasizing our sin and our guilt. But the passage was emphasizing God's love. But what's shown there is that's how we know God's great love for us by mm-hmm. seeing just how sinful we are. Mm-hmm. But in preaching sometimes you're going to preach heavier passages yeah. like like you quoted from there earlier or like I just quoted from Hebrews 10 of like it's a fearful thing to fall into mm-hmm. the hands of a living God yeah. mm-hmm. but then there's other passages in Hebrews that are about walking with one mm-hmm. another and mm-hmm. encouraging one another mm-hmm. as this day is drawing mm-hmm. near and so where you're at in scripture is some sermons are going to sound more uplifting mm-hmm. other ones are going to sound more somber but that's because there's different people here yeah. at different times and we can't know where everybody is at once you know, and so we have to kind of put it into the hands of God mm-hmm. and teach the way we do. I have a question. What do you think they mean by people's potential? <clears throat> because is that meaning? I think I know what they mean. I'm Gifting? Just, well, like I guess potential I'm thinking, for good. Okay, exactly. So my question is: is we would all say, for instance, you, we were talking about the imperatives that are specifically given to Christians, right? Yes. We have the potential for those. Right. But apart from Christ, mm-hmm. we have no potential to start right. even loving. Ranks. We have no right. potential to even grow in this. So I'm just curious, I guess, as well as what does it mean to affirm people's potential? Is that affirming their potential outside of Christ even? or Because, I mean, you know what yeah, I mean? There, I there's there's a difference. I would, I would, I would and that's where I guess I'm just trying to say, again, I think one of the things that happens in a lot of these statements is, is I think... 
the sense, like, I think I understand what they're saying, but I understand too where you could have even a sincere believer read some of these things and be like, okay, yeah, because they're very vague terms, brokenness. Right. Well, what's brokenness uh-huh. mean? Yeah. Or what's potential mean? Well, there a, a Christian could read this and say, well, you know what? That's that's true. I do have potential. And they're thinking in Christ because Christ's power in me. And uh-huh. I've been, my brokenness, my sin is there, but Christ can change that. Whereas a progressive Christian is thinking, I'm really not, the only brokenness I have is I'm a victim. Uh-huh. And my potential is already there, and, and Jesus is my moral example to show me the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so, this is a Catholic priest's words. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. He's writing this. Yeah. And so historically, the, the Catholics, Roman Catholics, would agree, I think, with what you're saying about you must be found in Christ mm-hmm. in order to have good works and to be able to mm-hmm. do good works. And so then you'd have to say, well, then what does he think it means to be found in, right. in Christ? Well, right. for the Catholic Church, there's a lot of... There's a lot of stipulations, right? Right. right? I mean, that we would say aren't even the stipulations mm-hmm. that we would disagree mm-hmm. with. But yet within this group of progressive Christians, you have former Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, all coming together under this banner of Christ. And that's, again, I keep falling back to this, but what would they define as a Christian who can do think, good works? I don't I think know. think the key element of like what you're pointing out, Spencer, is like what, is it, what does potential mean? What does brokenness mean? It depends on who's reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of that's the good point. point. Yeah. That's a good point. Is that mm-hmm. the point here is to not define anything. Yeah. yeah. Other than the fact mm-hmm. that to tell people that they are a sinners is not what you should do. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> should try to encourage people. You should try to be nice to people yeah. and make them feel and think good mm-hmm. of themselves, not bad of themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. That plays so true because I, a, a podcast I listen to, a basketball player, J.J. Reddick, Richard Rohr is one of his favorite people. Mm-hmm. And he would mm-hmm. quote and say how much he's done in his life. Yeah. But he will also make fun of Christians. You can I mean he he's also very much against what Christianity stands for. You can mm-hmm. I mean you hear it, you the way he talks, the way he acts, you know, just all this stuff is very much not a biblically based thing. But to him this is this is one of his leading mm-hmm. uh, influential people in his life. Yeah. Because when he reads it, maybe he takes it one way of what even Richard Rohr mm-hmm. wrote it mm-hmm. wrote it to me. But that see like you said, yeah, it seems to be okay. Mm-hmm. Read it how you want to read it. Yep. But there are you can read it how you want to read it. But Unless, there, but there are excluded wrong interpretations yeah. that would be like what yeah. we're saying. But like we said, that would be the Orthodox reading, yeah. right? That yeah. would be historic yeah. Christianity. Would yeah. that's the one way you can't do this. Yeah. But other than that, <laughs> well, I mean, we, and I don't want to come across as us saying "woe is me" and whining mm-hmm. and sound complaining. You know, because we could definitely sound sound like that. Our approach to this. And to these people need to be what Spencer said of what Jesus' was, of being sad. Because look at all these sheep with no shepherd here. And that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. You have these broken people, broken in our sense, sinners with what they think is hope. Which, you know, we were in Psalm 62 this week. It's a delusion. Mm. What they are following is a delusion. And it's false. And it has huge ramifications. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be us one day standing up saying, look, we're right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be right. those people in hell, right? Yeah. And it's, that's, what, that's what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And so we as a, as a church, I think as, as Christians, we don't need to take this stance like we are soldiers fighting here. But I think uh, we need to stand for truth most definitely. Mm-hmm. But we need to have some more compassion, I think, for mm-hmm. these people. Where I know my first inclination is always to get angry. Mm-hmm. 
If I hear a deconversion story, I get ticked at that person. And I, they could have been one of my favorite people before, mm -hmm. like that I'd listen to, listen to, all of a sudden they deconvert, and it's like, they're idiots. And I just get ticked <laughs> at them, honestly. It's like, look, what are you doing? You know, I get so mad. And I think that shows more about my heart and the sin in my heart if, than anything, mm. of where I should be broken, or I should be heartbroken, like, I wish, mm. man, God, Help them to deconvert from the deconvert or something, you know, like <laughs> help them to reconvert. <laughs> yeah, I don't, whatever that is. I don't know what the word is, but, you know, but honestly, I see too often Christians going the other route and we start playing this victim mentality mm -hmm. of which we mm -hmm. honestly dislike so much <laughs> that we mm -hmm. see in other people and other things. And we have to be careful, mm -hmm. be careful with that. Mm -hmm. We're not the victim, whatever, right? Scripturally speaking, whatever they say against Christianity, they're not saying against me. Mm -hmm. They're saying it against God. Mm -hmm. It's not against me. They're mm -hmm. sinning against Him, right. not sinning against mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And it should grieve me to see people sin against God who made them, who sent His Son to die in their place. And I just would love to see them come to faith. Mm -hmm. Right? That, that needs to be our mentality in mm -hmm. all of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want our, these next eight podcasts or whatever to sound like us being victims. Sure. I don't really think that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. want that to be said. To yeah. your point. Um, what... I think one of the things to help me to talk about would be real quick is why is our message better than this one? Because I'm saying it. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying. <laughs> you what do you mean? From there. <laughs> I guess what, how is this going to fail? And why is what we have to, why, I, mean, I shouldn't say what we have to offer, what Christ offers in the Bible better than this? I would say, my, my answer would be this. What is the best thing that man has done? I mean, is it uh, the Roman Empire? Is it America? Like, we've built these different things, right? We've done these Atlantis. <laughs> Atlantis. Well, <laughs> that would fit into what I'm about the to curse say. Of, yeah, <laughs> Oak Island. <laughs> yeah. The Tower but I mean, of Babel. <laughs> these things all fell. America hasn't fallen yet, but I would assume it's going to. Somebody else is going to take over yeah. at the, some point. In terms of human history, it's one of the youngest nations. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so... I mean, those are the best things we have our stamp on as mankind is like these different things. And they're just kind of piddly. You know, the Great Wall of China, oh, this great thing. Well, with our technology today, we just wipe that stinking thing out. That was a waste of time. You only got to get over your wall? You know, I mean, that, just that kind of stuff. And so if we're going to base all of our hope on people's potential, oh, man, that doesn't say much, I think, for us. Sure. Because <laughs> we're going to be in some trouble. It's an interesting way to look at here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were talking earlier today about um, seeing, like, you were watching, I think, on TV, some TV preacher who yeah. was like affirming people's mm -hmm. potential, talking mm -hmm. about how God is for them, God wants this good for them. And like you said, in the crowd of thousands of people, there were probably people who were going through divorces, mm -hmm. people who actually were very poor and didn't have much. And I just doesn't. I don't think it does anyone any favors to act like their problems are not real, right? Um, or to act like, I mean, there are things in our lives that we feel guilty for. Mm -hmm. Like we have mm -hmm. a conscience that God has given to us. Mm -hmm. Scripture says He has written His law on our hearts, and I just don't think it does anybody any good to sear that conscience and to ignore it when they are being told by their hearts. What I'm doing right now is wrong. And what this is saying is you need to tell people to not listen to their conscience in that sense, to not listen to any sense of internal conviction, yet instead to live how you want. I think that's kind of what this ultimately comes down sure. to. 
And um, but that doesn't answer life some of life's hardest questions. Mm-hmm. It's instead it leaves you in the dark, mm-hmm. and it leaves you thinking, "Shouldn't my life be better than this?" You know, I don't well, know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or not. The fact that we're skirting issues that we do now just show the trouble because you know, okay, we don't want to we we want to say statements like "Whoever you love is it's okay, love them." That's who you are, right? And so we see that. And at first, it was like, okay, a man loves a man, a woman loves a woman. What does that hurt? Well, the problem is the statement you said is going to keep going. And we're seeing that happen. Mm-hmm. I can love multiple women. Mm-hmm. So why, why can't I have more than one wife? Mm-hmm. Right? Or, or these other questions. It, it could get to animals. I love mm-hmm. animals. Mm-hmm. And I know there's people saying this. I don't know if it ever go that way, but little kids. I love little kids. Mm-hmm. You said I can love who I love. They can love. Why can't I? I mean, it's just who I am. It's... So you start going down this rabbit hole that gets really yeah. dangerous. If you don't deal with problems right away, yeah. they get bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. I mean, that's just one one thing mm-hmm. in our yeah, society. Some, something I thought of for the last episode that we were recording was we were talking about uh, J. Gresham Machen in the 20s writing Christianity and Liberalism. And think about like where the 20s was. That was kind of like the heyday right, of, of yeah. American history. A lot of good things happening. Then the Depression hits. And then World War II comes. And I can only imagine, like, if this was the mentality, like, don't affirm people's brokenness, affirm their potential. What kind of effect did seeing what Hitler did to Jews in Nazi Germany have on their idea of not affirming people's brokenness, but only their potential? Like, what happens in your world when you're confronted with real evil? Mm -hmm. And how do you define that? And how do you determine... How do I define this as evil? What should happen to a person that does something so atrocious? I'd just be interested to know, like, in that group of Christians that was going down that liberal trend, like, what happened when, what happens when you're confronted with true evil in the world? You have no framework to confront it with. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I think the reality of what we see here is mankind will create, like, in this religion, this uh, progressive Christianity with the first thing about Jesus as our model, more than our object of worship, and then this affirming people's potential, it is still focused upon what we do and how we live and our potential for, as they would argue, for good, to do good, to conform to whatever standard they set for themselves, whatever life goal they have. The reality is, is no matter what law, even even the law that unbelievers set for themselves they will never meet the law, mm-hmm. even the laws they try to meet. I mean, yeah. it reminds me of, mm-hmm. of Paul in Romans chapter 2. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you get to the point to where I think this drives people ultimately to despair because I'm supposed to affirm people's potential, but then why can't I ever reach that? Mm-hmm. Why can't I never reach the potential? And so then if I'm broken, you get to the point where you realize it's because of me. But this doesn't solve a solution. This doesn't offer a a gospel. There's no gospel here. Mm -hmm. It's just, well, you better get out of the pit yourself. And that's why our message is so much better because at the end of the day, when people are worn out trying this, this is why this is is really devilish because it it has a, a positive veneer. But actually, it leads people to despair and offers no gospel hope. Mm-hmm. Because our, our message is 
not um, it, it accounts for all of the mess of the world and our sin, and and offers a Christ who's done it all. Yeah, yeah. he's not he's not a potential savior anymore. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's just why it's so important in all of these to help us realize what why we have is actually mm -hmm. more optimistic yeah. than what yeah. they have to offer. Yeah, and the the at the end of the day, the question that I think you have to ask if you're talking to somebody who's who's saying things like this and going in this direction is, like you referenced the first one of, um, the first commandment of that Jesus is, is a, somebody to emulate as opposed to an object of worship. Well, if you think about the, the witness that we have of who Jesus was in Scripture, all of the Gospels lead to one central event that happened in Jesus' life, mm -hmm. his death, mm -hmm. and his resurrection. And if this is true, if it's true that it's more important to um, affirm people's potential than to remind them of their brokenness. You have a big question that you need to answer, and it is, why was Jesus crucified? Why was that important? If it's not important to talk about people's sin before God primarily, you have no answer for why the crucifixion mm -hmm. of Jesus happened, other than to say that it was an unfortunate, unplanned event mm -hmm. And some people who just did not like Jesus politically mm -hmm. killed him mm -hmm. and got rid of him. Do these people, um, well, from what you've seen, mostly ascribe still to the resurrection? No, they don't. And that's, that's one of the reasons why is because it's no longer necessary. Right. So, I mean, that's what they would see. They see him as a martyr dying for a cause, mm -hmm. you know, dying for. He, he's, he's the guy standing in front of the tank trying mm -hmm. to stop the tank. Well, yeah. the tank ran him over. Well, it makes him even more of a hero because yeah. he stood his ground all the way to the end. So. Yeah. It's just this morality to live by. Uh, that's got to be what they would see it as. Yeah, it's the, they almost universally would reject that the resurrection was a real event. They mm -hmm. they look at it more in terms of it was a symbolic understanding of like new life comes from sacrifice kind of thing, um, or like the movement goes on kind of deal or whatever. But and but like then you lose. I mean, what Paul taught. In 1 Corinthians 15, I think it is, of what the central message of Christianity is, which is that Jesus was, was crucified according to the Scriptures. He was raised from dead right. according to the Scriptures. But you lose that. Yeah. There, there's no point for the resurrection anymore. So like that's why in the conversation that we had about why do they insist on retaining the label Christian? And that would be the central question that I would want to ask a progressive Christian is, if you retain the label Christian, what is it that makes somebody a Christian? Because this is this historically has been seen as the defining mm -hmm. act of Christianity. Yet in your system, there is no need for it. Mm -hmm. So why would God let that happen to His Son? Right? You know, mm -hmm. why why would this happen to a man that apparently you would say is the epitome of morality? How would something so horrible ever happen to him like that? And there's just no answer for it. Yeah. There must be no A-type people and micromanagers in this group because those type of people don't see potential in anybody. <laughs> Except in themselves. That. Yeah, that's what I mean. They see it in themselves. That's what I mean. So, they they're always like, get out of here, oh, maybe, I'll do it, it I'll be, do it. It may be all A-type people. You are useless. They all think they are a potential. Um, I think, uh, I think um, yeah, and you know, I think lastly, before we wrap up though, is that... Um, if you really, I'm not saying these people would, would, would 
embrace all of this stuff. But if you affirm the moral code of today's society, the ironic thing is that what has the moral code of today brought about? Cancel culture. Mm-hmm. There is no redemption for yeah. you anymore. Yeah. So we get to the point where we, th- we talk about it all rosy and optimistic and happy. But at the end, if you don't conform, you're canceled and you're right. done. There right. is no redemption. There right. is no gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, I think, again, though, that's the devilish underneath mm-hmm. of all of this. Is it, it looks really good and happy, but there's actually no compassion mm-hmm. and, and no that, mercy and no real grace. And that's, again, it. why it's going to fail, because right. everybody in their closet has something to be canceled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Everybody does. Right. Every news reporter. Yep. Right. Every celebrity. Every everything, right. they will find it can be found out, you mm-hmm. know, and we've seen it. We've mm-hmm. seen that happen, and they're just going. That's what I mean when I say they're just going to eat each other alive, mm-hmm. and that's what's that's what's going to take place. They are going to devour each other and keep canceling each other till nobody <coughs> is left standing. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be anybody left standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a uh, one of the Instagram posts that we looked at with youth when we were going through this is. Uh, was put out by an account called Confessions of a Pastor's Kid, and it was the image is just of a bi- of big words that says that Jesus was a heretic, and then their their explanation of it. He's talking about the crucifixion of getting to the heart of why a progressive Christian would think that Jesus was crucified, and he just says, "Why did Jesus die?" He was questioning religious leaders of his day. He encouraged others to ask questions. This caused riots, and in turn, the religious leaders had less control over the Jewish people. He worked on the Sabbath, hung out with sex workers, lepers, and the other outcasts. This is why he died. There was no other charge as to why Pilate had to crucify him other than the Jewish religious leaders saying to him, If you don't, then you won't be able to control the people when they riot. This reason why Jesus died makes more sense to me than Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And honestly, I've grown to respect this Jesus more than ever before. The example that I take from Jesus' life, so there's Jesus as your moral example. As the example I take from Jesus' life is to always ask questions, look out for the marginalized people, always question authority. If this is what it means to be more like Jesus, then yes, I want to be more like Jesus. So just like I would say people in my line of theology oftentimes mess up and put themselves as yeah. the Bible characters, David, mm-hmm. the Bi- and say, and He's I, doing that. <laughs> and I would say, you aren't, sure. you're not David. You're not this. Yeah. I think people like that always put themselves as the marginalized. Yeah. They always put themselves as the ones mm-hmm. who are right and taken care of and that Jesus mm-hmm. loved because they are marginalized. And it's funny because that's probably some kid who has everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so far from marginalized mm-hmm. in their life. Mm-hmm. But they still will put that label on them as, as marginalized, you know. And we do that, I guess we all do that to some extent. We feel, I don't know, we deserve more or yeah. something. And it's easy to play that yeah. card of, of being marginalized. And, yeah, it's the same error on both ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. yeah. All right. Well, good. Good conversation. Uh, we hope you've... Uh, enjoyed uh, listening to this. If you ever want to get the book, um, it's called The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. It's written by Michael J. Kruger. It's from, uh, is it Cruciform Press? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, Cruciform Press. Uh, Michael J. Kruger is uh, Brother Freddy um, <laughs> as well as um, oh Is he gosh. still out? I don't know if he's... Yeah, okay. Freddy versus Jason. somewhere. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. He's, in he's out there somewhere. He's in your dreams. Yeah. He's in your dreams. Okay. <laughs> All right. (laughs) 
All I was right. Freddy Krueger for Halloween. Several years. You were? Oh, absolutely. Oh I can see that. <laughs> see my dad helped me make the claws. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, what do we say? We better just close. <laughs> you know Scott's going to reveal more about himself. He's uh, canceled. <laughs> <laughs> the Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. It's a really thin book, and it might be helpful for you as you uh, talk about these things with neighbors or loved ones or, or people at work. So thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless. Mm-hmm.